In today's show, we're talking Toronto Raptors with the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, Sean Woodley. Michael Bolton is here. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Ludner. I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. We're going to be talking Toronto, a bit of a change with the Raptors this season. And despite the apparently somewhat common belief, I don't hate the Raptors. Not even a slightest bit. They're actually one of my favorite teams, but apparently people think that I hate them. I don't know why. Anyway, we're going to talk Toronto Raptors today with Sean Woodley. So, hey, no more mucking around. Let's get straight into it. All right, here he is. The host of the Locked On Raptors podcast, helping me work through this Raptors rotation. It is Sean Woodley. Welcome back to the show, Sean. Thanks for having me back, Josh. It's good to chat chat with you. The new season coming up. It's quite exciting. It is very exciting. Very excited to have this season. We're sort of getting back to normal with the NBA now, and uh, I'm not sure that things are necessarily normal with the Raptors, but at least one thing, Sean, is it looks like they'll be playing in Canada this year. Yeah, that is the biggest thing, right? Last year was such a write-off. It was... It was just tricky, man. Like, I don't know how much you could really put stock into what you saw last season from the Raptors. They spoke a lot about the mental toll that it took on the team. They spoke a lot about, um, you know, the fact that there were no fans. You know, Toronto has this sort of, you know, renowned home court. When they were playing home games last year, they were getting booed by the opposing team to the point where they stopped letting fans in the building for a while. It just was a, a rough situation. So I'm glad they're back. I'm glad I get to go to and cover games once again. But I also think it's just going to kind of let the team play a little bit more settled. I don't think we'll see some start like we saw last season. Obviously, maybe not the same quality of team we thought last year's team was going to be with no Kyle Lowry. But I think, you know, a 2-8 and eight start where they look completely you know, discombobulated, I think, is probably out of the question just because they're going to be at home. They're going to have their stuff in the right place. They're not going to be playing at a hotels. Half the guys didn't even have houses when the season started last year. So that should be a pretty big boost just to start the season for the Raptors this season. Speaking of starting the season, um, what is your opening night starting five with the caveat that we'll talk about Pascal in a second, with the caveat that Pascal is playing? So I guess their, their best yeah. case scenario starting five for, for, let's say, opening night or let's say, yeah, 1st of December, perhaps when uh, Pascal might be back, which we'll talk about soon. Yeah, I'd say the ideal starting five, the sort of one you can project in with a healthy Pascal Siakam is Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Kem Birch. You know, you could quibble with whether Trent should start or come off the bench. You know, he was sort of up and down in his time with the team last season. You know, there were injuries. They were playing out, you know, this sort of COVID-ridden garbage time of the season. So you don't know how much to put stock into his rougher shooting numbers. But, you know, I think you could talk yourself into Goran Dragic maybe starting just as kind of like an extra bit of ball handling, especially if Siakam's going to be out. But, you know, if all things are equal, this will be the five. You know, they just invested in Gary Trent Jr. What is it, 17 million bucks a year, 18 million bucks a year? All these other guys are core pieces they've either recently paid or just paid this offseason in the case of Ken Birch. Uh, I, I think that is the starting five you can pretty comfortably pencil in. And it, it looks like a pretty reasonable starting five as well. A good mix of, you know, shooting. You've got, uh, you know, an actual center. Sorry to your uh, countryman, Aaron Baines, but it's nice to have a dude. My countryman, Ken Birch, who uh, just, you know, is a little bit more competent at NBA center things these days. 
Uh, and then you have the Van Vliet and an OBC Occam core of the team, which is really going to be the determining factor of how this team, you know, lines up and shakes out in the East. I think you, you bring up a good point there about ball handling. Now, I don't really think that Dragic is a starting caliber full-time guy anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if Siakam is out, you, you don't want Trent dribbling and distributing. You don't really <laughs> want Birch doing that at all. Yeah, you know, Siakam's replacement would probably be Chris Boucher. Although, if they did put Scotty Barnes in there, at least he could handle. You know, you don't want Ananobi running things significantly that way. So, it does put a little bit of strain on Van Vliet in that scenario. Um, so, mm-hmm. I guess you could see it happen that way. Is there any chance that maybe instead of um, Dragic that they put, say, Malachi Flynn in there after his, yeah, I think, pretty impressive end to last season and uh, you know, pretty solid summer league? Yeah, you could, in theory, see them start with, like, a Van Vliet, Flynn, Trent backcourt. You know, they've not been afraid to play small in the past. They started Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet together the last two seasons. Like, they're comfortable doing that. I think they'd like to get away from that. And we've, we've seen just sort of with their offseason moves and the way they've talked about how much mm. they love having dudes who are six foot nine and long and defensively talented in their lineup. You know, it doesn't strike me as a team that's going to be you know, going back to playing small anytime soon. So, you know, if we do see Flynn, we, that might mean Trent goes to the bench. That leaves the bench without a lot of ball handling. You know, I think if Boucher just swaps in for Siakam in that starting five you see on the screen there, you know, that's not the most ball handling heavy lineup, of course, but Boucher at least will like finish plays off. You know, you might be able to do a little bit with Ken Birch, you know, maybe work out of the post a little bit. He kind of showed some passing chops last season that I don't think anyone really expected. Ananobi is going to be asked to carry a lot of offensive burden this season, so it might be kind of a trial-by-fire thing with him to see if his playmaking can kind of scale up. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tricky without Siakam early on. He's the best player on this team. It's unquestionable. And not having his playmaking and his scoring is going to be tricky. I think Boucher kind of does a good enough job replicating the scoring, at least. And then the playmaking, we'll see. It might just be a team that has to run down other teams' throats and defend like maniacs and force a bunch of turnovers in order to get offense. In terms of a bench group, Sean, um, a lot of these names we've mentioned already, I think they're pretty obvious. You've got Dragic, you've got Flynn, um, Scotty Barnes will be in there as well, Boucher. And these, some of these guys, you know, we could see Dragic, Flynn, Barnes, and Boucher. We've, we've mentioned all of them as potential starting options. And then lastly, you've got Precious Achua there as yeah. the, the backup center. We know, well, from afar, and you can confirm or deny this, we know that Nick Nurse seems to really detest playing Chris Boucher at center. Um, just mm-hmm. does not trust doing that at all for any long periods of time. And now that Achua is there, is that, you know, assigning Boucher basically to just being a full-time, I guess, four? It might be. You know, I think it depends on the way Achua looks coming out. I mean, he looked awesome in Summer League and maybe he stakes claim to that, you know, five spot, you know, full-time off the bench. And I'd be totally okay with that. I think he kind of profiles more as a center than Boucher does. You know, I think he's shorter than Boucher, but he's like twice as thick as Boucher, which yeah. is kind of important. He could probably bench and, press him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you could see Boucher close games at center. You know, if they need some extra scoring punch and assuming full health, like I could see them closing with, you know, Van Vliet, Trent or Drogic, and then Ananobi Siakam, Boucher at the five. I think you can kind of get away with Boucher playing the five in that situation because he has some other size, got some other rebounding out there. You can kind of just play a switchable defense and, you know, not so much worry about who's your sort of mainstay rim protector. But yeah, I think the signing of Birch to a new deal and bringing in a Chua kind of suggests that they think Boucher's best as a four. I think Boucher's best as a four as well. You know, if you think about last season when the Raptors were actually playing well before COVID took them out of the season, 
you know, the best stretch of the season came with Boucher coming off the bench next to Aaron Baines, the aforementioned Aaron Baines. And it was actually the best we saw from both of those guys at times last season. Those guys kind of playing in a killer bees four five situation. You know, Boucher's not forced to play and hang around with centers. He can, you know, pull fours out and, and stretch the floor quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I just think he works better as a four. Honestly, Chris Boucher is like a shooting guard who's just tall. And that's just like, it's a difficult thing to figure out where he slots in. But the beautiful thing about this Raptors team or the weird thing about the Raptors team that's coming up this year is I don't really think positions are going to matter all that much. I think they're going to play Scotty Barnes at center. I think they'll play OG at center. I think, you know, Boucher, Birch, Achua will all play there. They're going to play some funky-ass lineups this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I think it could be tricky to kind of peg down which position each guy's playing the majority of his minutes at. Yeah, yeah. Positions are passe, but I'll tell you what else is passe, Sean, and that is uh, excessive sweating. Nobody wants that problem. Whether you're at work, at school, in a social function, you ought not be worried about, hey, if I lift my arm up to point over there, are people going to see a swimming pool? Like, nobody wants that. Sweat block is the answer. This is actually, at the moment, Sean, the number one product on Amazon this week. That's a that's amazing stuff. It is doctor created. It is doctor recommended. The sweat block wipes. You wipe them under your arm before you go to bed. Wake up the next morning, have a shower, go off and do what you need to do and you're covered for up to seven days. That is remarkable coverage from Sweatblock. These have been around for ages. They've been over 10 years, 13,000 reviews. You've seen them on Rachel Ray. They're available at Amazon. They're available at CVS. But you can also get them now for 20% off at sweatblock.com. But only if you use our promo code, which is locked on. They also have the dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. How good is that? 20% off, dry shirt guarantee. Go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on and save 20% on Sweatblock. This is also something that people might find common. You have this issue of you watch your live sport somewhere and then you log in and you watch your shows somewhere else and then you watch your highlights on your phone and then you borrow someone else's login to watch the other shows that you need to watch. There's just so much stuff. There's so much clutter. There's so much confusion. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand shows together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and tv shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part there is no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required and content varies by package pascal siakam Injured shoulder, torn labrum, like every other player in the NBA who suffered an off-season injury, apparently. Um, what is the expected return time frame for Siakam? It's kind of tough because we haven't heard anything really since he had surgery. There's been no updates. I'd expect we'll get some now as players are filtering into Toronto here and training camps getting ready to get going in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I think the going sort of guess is about a month, like mid-November, mm. late November. You know, if you can get back... By then, I think you're happy. If it gets into December, then I think that's kind of, uh, you know, on the long end of things for sure. You know, there's a world in which maybe early November he gets in. We Again, we don't really have an update on him whatsoever. But yeah, I don't think it'll be until November at some point that we see Siakam in the lineup, which is obviously going to make things really difficult for the Raptors in the first part of the season, as we talked about off the top. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard because Siakam gets, I think, a lot of unwarranted hate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're expecting him maybe to be something that he isn't. But I thought that there were you know, times last season in a really trying season that he played at a really high level and developed so many things in his game. The shooting is always going to be a bit wonky, but his ability to be a creator improves significantly. His defensive numbers have taken steps back as his offensive load has increased, but that happens to basically everybody. There's not many people. It happened to Kawhi Leonard. We've seen that as his mm-hmm. offensive role has increased. He's not that level of a defender. He gets by a little bit on reputation as a defender these days. Not that he's bad, but he's not 
not the number one guy anymore. And Siakam's seen that drop off, but it gets held against him quite a bit. I think that that's going to translate to him being underrated significantly in fantasy again this year, just because that first season's out. And you know, I am always skeptical of, of getting guys who are going to miss the beginning of the year, but when they come in with a shoulder problem, it's not a lower body injury. So he should be, you know, in terms of easing back in, it shouldn't be too much of a long process when he comes back, Sean. Yeah, I would hope so as well. And yeah, I, just to go to your point of, you know, Siakam has kind of slept on. I, I mean, I think he's getting to the point where he's like, one of the most underrated players in basketball almost because people look at the bubble situation where he looked terrible against the Celtics in the playoffs and then they come out to start two and eight last year and he has a couple of misses on, on big potential game-winning buckets and it's just like, oh, book's closed. Pascal Siakam's bad now and then he just didn't watch the rest of the season because, hey, look, if you weren't watching the Raptors last season, I get it. They were, they were a nightmare to watch. It was a horrible season. Everything was terrible. Everyone was sad. It sucked, but... Pascal was legitimately good for long stretches of last season. The playmaking you mentioned, I mean, it's not just like he's doing it in one way. He's running pick and roll. He's doing it from the post. He's doing it as a short roll guy in a pick and roll as a screener. Like, he does it in a lot of ways. He does it on the run as well. He's a really good playmaker, and that has, I think, only improved now that he's, you know, been through two years as sort of a top option for this team. And that was super notable. You know, the shooting, that was really the only thing that was different about Pascal Siakam last season. If he hits 36% of his threes like he did the year before, you're looking at the exact same output, basically, in terms of points. And when you throw in the defense, you throw in the rebounding, like, he's just a really good player. He's a really, like, he drives positive play. The team was a nightmare without him on the floor last season. They were a positive team with him on the floor, like three or four points uh, per 100 possessions, you know, outscoring opponents when he was out there. In the back part of the season, when he wasn't around, they were getting bludgeoned like like 12 points per 100. It, it just it wasn't even close. By far the biggest sort of driver of positive play when on the floor and the biggest, you know, detractor from positive play when he was off last season. So, yeah, Pascal's really good. When he's back, he's going to assume that number one role. You know, he has more shooters around him this season as well. I think that's an important thing. You know, he averaged four and a half assists last season when he was oftentimes kicking out to, like, Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson's not on the team anymore. He's kicking out to Gary Trent Jr., which, say what you will about Gary Trent Jr., the dude shoots uh, threes a lot, and he shoots them quite well. And you have Fred Van Vliet, an excellent catch-and-shoot guy. If you, it's sort of the burden of the offense shifts more towards Pascal and away from Fred, that's going to open up more off-ball opportunities for Fred through Pascal. OG's a 40% three-point shooter. It's just a team that has a lot of good shooters that weren't available last season, and I think that really hurts Siakam's, you know, not just the playmaking, but also he would go to the basket with three dudes on him because the other guys around him were Stanley Johnson and Yuta Watanabe, and it's just not really something a defense is game-planning for, and you saw a lot of, you know, double-triple teams, and uh, honestly, I think if you look at last season for Siakam, if you just have a different outcome on two or three of the potential game winners that he missed, there were like four or five that were just kind of just rimmed out or whatever it was. If those go the other way two out of five times, we're talking about Siakam entirely differently. It's just those sort of flashpoint moments that people look at and say, well, he must be bad now and all he does is spin. If you watch the full season, you'd be pretty excited about Pascal Siakam coming into this season because he's very obviously the best player on this Raptors team. I don't even think it's really a conversation right now. I could have had a conversation about him and uh, and Fred Van Vliet, but let's talk about Fred Van Vliet, who moves from being sure. a guy who was you know, the the secondary 
ball handler, backup point guard, I guess, yeah, as well as the starting shooting guard, but probably now has to transition mm-hmm. to being the full-time point guard with Kyle Lowry gone. Like we've yeah, thrown up different options. Maybe Dragic starts, maybe Flynn can get in there and play and put Van Vliet back into that role. But how can he handle that role? Let, let's assume, because the, 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 you know, probably in 70% of all you know, alternate variant universes, it's Trent and Van Vliet in that backcourt, and we know who the point guard is out of that group. So how does, uh, how does Fred handle that job? of now being the starting point guard. What does that mean for his t- for his game? Like his overall field goal percentage was pretty rough last season. Um, yeah. I-, I thought overall he-, he still plays well. He's a really, really tenacious defender, great shot blocker for a guard. His passing is pretty good, but how does he handle that, that switch in role now? Yeah, I mean, you saw that responsibility kind of funneled his way as the season went along last season. I mean, Larry played like seven games after the trade deadline. Yeah, and Fred, when he was healthy, he was playing the line shared the minutes as the lead point guard. Look, I don't think any ideal scenario has Fred as being like, you know, run every single possession. You don't want him being Chris Paul for you necessarily because he can't score at the basket. We've seen that before. And I don't think that's a skill coming around anytime soon. He's a six foot dude who I think is generously listed as six foot and he just doesn't have much of a bag around the basket. You know, where it's going to be important for him is can he work on like the pull up mid range game? We saw that a little bit last year, kind of tapered off after a really nice start to it. You know, if he can find a find ways to score from like six to eight feet, I think that opens things up for him. But it's just he's never going to be a guy that you want running 100% of your possessions just because he's not quite the guy who can kind of break a defense down. That said, he's like a wonderful pull up three point shooter. He scored 54 points in a game last season. He clearly has that in his sort of repertoire. But I think what you'd like to see if you're the Raptors this year, maybe this hurts his sort of playmaking totals and things like that. But I think the thing you want to see is, you know, hopefully OG can take on some of that offensive burden. Hopefully Malachi Flynn can take on some of that as well, because Fred is best when he's off the ball. Think about the run to the championship in 2019. His best moments were when he was hovered around a really good team and he was just like banging in 14 of 17 threes against the Milwaukee Bucks to push him through to the finals. Like that's the best version of Fred Van Vliet. And it's interesting too, because I think, you know, Fred got a lot better last season in ways that probably don't really matter to fantasy players. He got really, really good in terms of just like the Kyle Lowry stuff. If I'm sort of doing a broad sort of terminology for it, it's the stuff that doesn't show up on a stat sheet, really. It's just the kind of like intangible, you know, the sort of driving play, driving positive play, that type of stuff. I mean, he usually had pretty bad on off numbers until last year where he kind of resembled Lowry in a lot of ways in terms of how important he was to the team and the lineups he played in. So that's super valuable, and I think he's going to be a, a good guy to have on the Raptor, on the floor for the Raptors. I think he'll drive positive play. But in terms of like an uptick from numbers last season with the new sort of responsibility, I don't think we're going to see a ton of it just because I think some of that playmaking burden will, de- will be dispersed throughout the team. And I think we could see you know some of the warts in his game kind of exposed a little bit if he has too much of an offensive burden kind of running every possession for the team. Very important question for you, Sean. Do you know how to fix your own car? Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. I know you're about to talk about. These people have saved me so many times because I'm an idiot when it comes to cars. All right. So if you are looking for parts for your car and you don't know what you're doing and you don't want to have to pay more money, why would you go to a local chain auto parts store? That seems ridiculous. You would go to Rock Auto because they have all the parts that you need for your car or truck and you don't have to deal with going to a store 
waiting in line, often intimidating questioning, and higher prices. Rock Auto is an online family business that have been serving auto parts customers for the last 20 years, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, whatever part you need for your car or truck, Rock Auto has you covered. You wouldn't spend 30, 50, 70, 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or an, uh, a car dealership. That's ridiculous. No one wants to do that. So go to rockauto.com, browse their expansive catalog where every part that you probably need for your car or truck is right there. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right locked on so that they know that we sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. I've got one more question for you, um, Sean. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to find what I'm uh, what I'm looking for. Is uh, I'm just I've, I've lost. I've got a new new setup here. And I'm just sometimes I'm a little bit a <laughs> little bit off in what I'm doing. Where is it? Um, oh, there it is. But what about scarves? OG. Stop OG. Uh, you better stop OG. OG and an Obi. Now at the end yeah. of la- at the end of last season, OG. They just said, well, OG you know, historically has been like this, let's say like an Otto Porter-ish type offensive role. Have your 16% usage, spot up for three, you know, do that efficiently and concentrate on defense. And at the end of last season, basically they, it seemed you know, from the outside and the numbers bear this out. They said, OG, oh, we want you to do more. Can you just ramp up your usage and become more of an offensive focal point? The usage went up and he said, sure. And he did it at the same efficiency. So we've, you've mentioned it a couple of times now. So I'm assuming the answer to this question is yes. We're, we're all assuming that Nurse is just going to say, well, keep doing that, OG. We want your offense to, to push up and to be an above-average offensive contributor and to be more of a go-to scorer when you were like a, a fifth option in the past. Yeah, I mean, we saw it, like you said, after they traded Norm Powell last season, those possessions had to go somewhere because Norm was shooting like 35 times a game or something, if I recall, what he was doing with the team before he got dealt. And OG soaked up a lot of that usage, and he did it, as you said, basically not losing any efficiency whatsoever. It's, you know, it's difficult to do. It was 20 games. It was the end of the season. I'm not sure how much you buy into it. I actually talked about this at length on an episode of my podcast last week. You know, it's it's hard to say whether or not you can buy into that, but I think they're going to see what he can do. They're going to test his limits, especially when Siakam's out early on. Like you could see some pretty crooked shooting lines from OG just because I would imagine he's going to get a pretty high usage without a ton of support around him. But like that might be kind of a nice trial by fire before kind of settling into like a second option role when Pascal gets back. You know, I think OG is primed for like a legitimate breakout. He, has a lot in his bag. He showed a lot last season in terms of, you know, his dribble drive game. He could just like bludgeon dudes in the post. Like he'll kind of drive and then improvise a post up and then no one stands a chance. He's always been a really good off ball score, whether it's, you know, three point shooting in the corners or above the break or as a cutter with those sort of patented chin up dunks he'll do from underneath the basket. Like he is a really exciting piece for this team. And honestly, I think he's the most important player for the Raptors, not just, you know, in terms of wins and losses this season, but in terms of like the trajectory of the team, if OG levels up and is like a go-to wing scorer, you're sitting there really happy with what you've got with the Raptors. If not, then there's probably going to be some tougher questions to ask next year. I think they're going to give him all the opportunity to do it. I would expect him to average north of 20 points a game. He was at about 18 and a half in the back part of last season after I think March 1st was the cutoff that I was kind of looking at. He averaged, you know, 18 and like five and three or something like that. I think the big thing with OG is you would expect there's going to be some drop-off in the efficiency at some point, right? If he levels up to a 24 25% usage, there's no way he's going to keep up a 60% true shooting just considering where he's at in terms of his overall bag. He's still got to work on the mid-range game. He's still got to work on his, you know, just overall sort of fluidity, fluidity as a ball handler and as a scorer. 
the thing that I think could help get back some of that efficiency is the free throw line. And he's just never been a guy who gets to the line a lot. I think he averaged like 2.4 attempts a game last season. His free throw rate was like free throw rate plus like the basketball reference adjusted was like an 80 last season when the league averages 100. I think he's going to have to be a lot better than that this season for a lot of reasons, but mostly just for his own efficiency's sake. And he's got it in him. Like I said, he's like a built like an absolute tank. He, in theory, can finish through contact and, and sort of absorb contact and still score. He hasn't really shown it before. He gets kind of like spread eagle when dudes are around. And he'll try to go around guys as opposed to through them, which I think if anyone can go through guys, it's probably him. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a sort of big key swing factor for me. You know, we improved his free throw percentage last season pretty significantly up to like 78, 79 percent after being really rocky in his first three seasons. So that was encouraging. It's just a matter of that free throw volume going up. And if he does that, I really think, you know, you're looking at a potential most improved type guy this season. I think by season's end, we're probably looking at OG as the second best player on this Raptors team. And, you know, there's an outside chance, you know, the 100th percentile outcome where he's the best player on this team. And you're kind of looking at, oh, God, like, look at this sort of wing monster they have going forward. I don't think it's going to be quite that successful. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. But I think, you know, a 20-point-a-game season for OG is very much on the table this year. You just spoiled my last question, and that was – I was going to say that a couple of a couple of years ago, maybe after their first season, I said, I think that long-term OG is going to be the better player between him and Pascal Siakam. And it sure. looked pretty iffy yeah, at first, especially when OG had that issue where you know, the season where his father passed away and he had the appendicitis and he was completely lost. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, Jesus, like, he looks off, right? looks bad. You know, I stuck with it. I said, let's see how we go. And then I'm still having some of that hope that – because if that offense does come around, he's, he's a – an elite defender and the position that he plays you know if doing that at the three versus doing it at the four is significantly more important as well so if yep. you're able to do that then i think that is a distinct possibility you said it's the yeah, 100th percentile outcome i'm gonna give him a little <laughs> bit more a little bit more of a chance to get to that number i still think it's possible that he can become the best player on this team and i'm pretty excited to see what he does now that he is going to get the ball in his hands more of course sean you'll have all the raptor stuff covered for us if there is some sort of maybe goran dragage trade coming up we'll uh, get all the info from you over on the locked on raptors podcast in the coming weeks through preseason into the regular season back in toronto thanks for coming on locked on uh, locked on fantasy with me of course ben anytime and that'll do it for today's show don't forget to follow this podcast apple podcast google podcast stitcher spotify and on the odyssey app on youtube give it a thumbs up leave a comment down below we'll be back later on with a fantasy preview for the raptors i'm looking more at busts and sleepers and adps and all that sort of stuff so stay tuned for that guys we are done here Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.